0: Here we go, here we go, okay. Uh, let's, uh, we're two weeks into Advent. Um, let's pray and then let's go. Let's see what happens, okay? Raise your heads because your redemption is drawing near. Luke twenty one twenty eight. Lord God, Heavenly Father, who through your Son has revealed to us that heaven and earth shall pass away, we beseech thee, keep us steadfast in thy word and in true faith. Graciously guard us from all sin and preserve us amid all temptations so that our hearts may not be overcharged with the cares of this life, but at all times in watchfulness and prayer. We may await the return of your son and joyfully cherish the expectation of our eternal salvation through the same thy son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Okay, good to see you. Any questions about everything? Anything? Anything? Everybody okay? Uh, you've gotten this handed out to you about 16 times, it's number 7, but nevertheless, I never expect that you'll bring it back, actually. Does anybody need one? Yeah, I'll get you one. It's alright, I print them because I know you'll need them. Can you help me please, yeah. my pastor? Well, Richard help me too. Go that way, you go that roundabout the other way. Um, so we're at this, you know, try to think about what we're, uh, try to think about where we're going. Uh, we're trying to raise money for new music stands. No, we're not. hope Jonathan didn't see that. Let's see. If that's going to work. I know there are, but it wouldn't be so much fun. I can feel sorry for myself after using use the broken one. All right. Uh, so we're trying to have a go at what community looks like. My latest, um, here's my latest nervousness with, with all of you. Uh, you know, Gordon did a great job, and I haven't seen him yet, but I, I'll just say publicly what I would have said privately to him. She did a great job of speaking to the congregation last night and today. And we are wrapping up with the capital campaign, and then it's on to the next thing. Um, one of the things that's kind of interesting uh, in the church, and I, maybe it's just this area, and it's true for me, and I think it's true for many of you, um, I sense a weariness in some of you, and maybe just more than the holidays. And I think part of it is because people have pulled so hard. And then... Uh, You know, we're about to have another hard pull going toward next door. Um, I'm going to talk to the elders and the governing board about this, but I'm just going to put it out. uh, I'm going to put it out to you. I'll put it out here, and you guys who are elders and governing board can start talking about it, and you know we'll sort of get after it next week and the week after. Um, As we come out of what we just done and as we go toward what I think is arguably the biggest thing St. John has ever done, except perhaps maybe starting a church, it really needs to be all hands on deck. And uh, it's been interesting in the, I note in the people who are working hard and then also in the people who are being asked to do some things, I do note some weariness and then some reluctance. Um, it's a fairly small sampling so far, but I, 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 I tie this for you to the, to the body of Christ or to the community. Um, if you want to kill your marriage, um, here's what I can suggest to you. Um, just stay away from your wife. Okay Or if you want to kill a friendship, what's the most critical thing in friendship beyond you know the fact that I mean, even for good friends whom you trust, whom you love, who you like to be around, what's the most critical aspect of friendship? Time. if you don't have time with people, community goes away, friendship goes away, marriage goes away. And um, one of the things that we as a congregation are going to have to realize as a community, and you know I don't know if you remember, but do you remember what the very first What was the very first stewardship theme we did when I came here? Anybody remember what the very first one was? Christ first. That's right. Okay? So I just am going to... I just am going to... I'm just going to remind you of that. And I will say to you, uh, it's time, and maybe the great thing that needs to happen in, in our... in our place together, be in community and trying to move forward is I think we really uh, need to think about time. And I do this, of course, on the weariness of Christmas sharing and how hard those people worked. By the way, it was spectacular, as always. Thank you very much, you who worked it. Uh, It was spectacular. Um, There was even a guy who came after the six o'clock service last night who who said, I heard what you were doing today. Is there anything, you know? And he didn't have, I didn't have to give what he asked for, but uh, it's interesting how people talk and recognize you. But we may need to come to the point, and I, I honestly was thinking about I was musing to myself driving home after church last night what it would look like if we canceled everything in the church except the service and the capital campaign to sort of eliminate the excuses of I'm busy with something else. I actually want to talk to elders and governing board about this, but I'll put it out to you in front. Um, time, and then the focus that comes with time, is the only way the community gets built. And real honestly, um, if we're going to do what we propose to do, uh, we're going to need to do a lot, few a lot, a lot, we're going to need to do fewer things better rather than a lot of things that scatter us. Um, if you really want to build community, what it takes is the notion that this is first and you will put the time into it. Now, it is our own fault in many ways. One of the problems with St. John is that we have remarkably creative people who are always going in different directions. Let's do this, let's try this, I want to try this, how about that? And not only that, you can get four or five people to come with you, which, under normal circumstances, is great. But um, we're going to read through a little bit of this today. Maybe we'll get all the way there, maybe not. I really think um, there are a couple things that have become clear to me that are critical. One is that Christ is, in fact, first. And so, um, as you're asked to do things, um, it's not about anything else but if Christ is first. And second, if there isn't enough time, it's interesting, time may be just as valuable or perhaps a more valuable commodity to you than money. If I had my choice between time and money, I'd take time. And I think for many of you, um, I think time is a more valuable commodity for you than than many, many other things. And I think your lives would be appreciably better for it if you had fewer things done well. Um, I think one of the mistakes we made in the past with capital campaign stuff, and I think even the stewardship things, is that I was um, perhaps afraid to be too heavy-handed with you. And so perhaps I let the message fall where it should not have. I should have been more forceful and more repetitive. I think this time around, and this again is for elders and governing board, I'll take your advice on this. I think I perhaps need to be, um, I need to, if I need to be repentant at the end of the next capital campaign, I probably need to repent on the side of being too forceful and too repetitive rather than being not forceful and not repetitive enough. One of the great difficulties of being a pastor or being on the staff here is that we're with this all the time every day. And so for us, it's always in front of us, and always the, we, what we don't want to do is smother you with it the way we're often smothered. But the reality is, for many of you, you know, the dose you get is Sunday morning, perhaps in church and Bible study, and then perhaps a midweek thing, and if you have a kid in the school, maybe a bit more, you belong to a committee. But we have to realize that um, our reality needs to be pushed perhaps a little bit harder. Uh, So I just sort of of put that up for you as consideration in the midst of, as a specific example in this talk of what community needs to be. Um, And I guess my advice to you would be to clear the decks. uh, And I'll try to do the same thing. Because uh, what we've we've bitten off is more than a mouthful to chew. It is not impossible. But it will take resources far beyond anything that looks like an 80-20 rule. And, uh, you know, for us to go forward, and go forward here means, this is what we've chosen as a congregation uh, to do. And so, you know what, if you're in the congregation, whether you think it's the right thing or not, you're in, because you're part of the body, part of the community, part of the family. And as you know, um, if you go on family vacation, and five of you want to go to the Grand Canyon, and one of you is convention all the time because you're not in Greenwich Village, it's miserable for everybody. You know what has to happen now is everybody breaks off their own personal ambition or interest for the greater good of what the community has chosen to do, and it was a strikingly strong uh, rallying point at the vote point. You never get votes in a church that are eighty twenty or eighty five fifteen, which are roughly what ours were, give or take a percentage point or two. And so um, I guess I'm just I guess I'm just I, there's something here for everybody. For me, what I need to do is. Um, I need to clear, the, I need to clear my, my, my decks of extraneous things, and that will happen somewhat naturally with Pastor Ganick here and other people coming along. So I need to you know, try to lead you into a focus of a few things done very well. You all need to rearrange your lives, not just your money. And we've got some practice rearranging money. I guess what I'm begging you to do is you're going to have to rearrange time. You're going to have to rearrange how you live your lives, uh, how you work, what your kids do, what you do, where you vacation, when you go, how you go—you need to rearrange that for the good. Otherwise, and, and let me just say further: if you know, if this isn't—you know—on a scale of one to a hundred, if you know you're 62 in the Bible Church, where other people are at 92, you need to move to about an 87 and a half, because you're part of the community. And this body talk we're going to do right now—you know—I mean, you probably don't think about your middle toe very much, unless it's you know horribly inflamed and about to be amputated. Then it gets your attention. And uh, you know what? Each of you are part of the body of Christ. We're going to read about how everybody has a different thing to do. Everybody has a different thing to do. Everybody's important, and everybody needs to pull on the same end of the rope. And if if you're part of the body that's pulling in a different direction, that causes stress and pain all the way around. So part of what we're going to read about is how... Everything pulls together, and when it doesn 't people suffer we all suffer the body suffers, and it doesn 't you know things don 't work quite as well. I know you 're not used to this. I know you're, you're, you like I are, are used to being masters of your own destiny and you 're going to do what you want, and we 're encouraged in that in America because if we don 't like what happens in a church, we shop, we move, yeah, well, find that for me in the scripture, and i 'll bless it. I should when people transfer outright happily I will sign this if you give me the scriptural reference for the move. That's what I should do. You didn't laugh. That was a joke. <laughs> <clears throat> I just, but I would, just like, I would just like the church to be run by scripture. I would just be so interesting to have a church run by scripture. So we're about to do that. Pull your Bibles out. Here we go. Okay. Questions about any of that? I'm just sort of thinking out loud with you, but this is the group to do that with. Um, you need to begin to rearrange your lives. Say yes to when you're asked to do things. Um, give not only money but time, and to do it for the greater good, the way you would in your normal family. This is just a you know your family at some x number of uh, you know iterations. So here we go. Uh, you know why don't you spend the first Corinthians ten, and I'm going to read you Second Corinthians four. But go to First Corinthians ten. Can you do that? And I'm if you're looking if you've got a if you got a sheet, we're at number three, we're point number three. So, uh, last week we uh, talked a lot from the Nowen book about Christ being present, and I'm going to read you just at least one, and we could spend a whole year talking about this verse from 2 Corinthians, Uh, if I could find 2 Corinthians in my Bible. And this is a gorgeous verse where it says, 2 Corinthians 4, verse 6, this is just a great Christmas text. For it is the God who said, Let light shine out of darkness, who shone in our hearts to give light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. That has driven Christian artwork in many ways some sector of Christian artwork for a couple of thousand years now. You know God, you know the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ that's what's happening at advent here we go you want to know what who god is you want to know what god wants you want to know what god thinks of you and you want to know how the world will come and go you see it all in the face of christ so um, christ embodies the mystery of god and christ then has been very specific about how he's going to embody you and me so just take a look at first corinthians 10 this is a very common text you know anybody who's been through you know any class anywhere with me, you've heard me talk about this text. uh this is the Lord's Supper text um, just an aside we are we're just flooded with visitors lately at nine o'clock we probably had thirty or forty people we didn't recognize um, you know last night in the week, people are coming in. It's a very interesting time. We've probably had no less than Six, seven, eight couples or singles, 20s in their 20s, who have come in and sat down and very articulately said, We want to join St. John because you have the liturgy. Uh, we want to join St. John because what we want is doctrine. We want to join St. John because what we want is ceremony. We want to join St. John because it's um, solid stuff here on Sunday. You can count on it. That's a fascinating thing that's happening, which, you know, for a long time I've been saying would happen, but it hasn't happened until. All of a sudden, which is doubly the reason we need to pay attention to this Bible Church thing, at just the point when it all lies before us, there are all these people who are wandering in and saying, "We want exactly what you have. We have never had that experience. We've had it in drips and drabs, but we've never had it so thoroughly, and we've never had it from people so young." Uh, if you're forty, just so you know, I'm you know, or fifty, you know, I'm forty-nine. You're utterly irrelevant to 20-year-olds. I just thought I should let you know that. <clears throat> you know, but I'm doing the math in my head and I'm thinking as, as these kids sit there, these 24, 25-year-old kids sit there, I'm thinking, you know, I'm old enough to be your dad. Which then explains why I'm irrelevant, you see. Uh, I just send them down to Geinig's office. He's, he's young and hip and, you know, he's, he's, it's, it's, very interesting, it's very interesting sort of what's happening. Uh, you know, the body needs to embrace all those things. Well, if you've been around, you know you've you've uh, you've 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 heard this text, First um, Corinthians ten, sixteen. It's this strange stuff. It starts about being baptized into Moses and eating and drinking supernatural things, but then this very clear talk about the Lord's Supper, which people always want to suggest is literal or is figurative, which is clearly meant to be literal. Uh, not only here, but in the text we're going to go see, the cup of blessing which we bless. Right, So that's the chalice on the altar. He's talking about the Holy Supper. The cup of blessing which we bless, which we consecrate. Is it not a participation in uh, the divine nature and human nature in the blood of Christ? The bread which we break, here it is, is it not a participation in the body of Christ? And then this very cryptic thing, because there is one bread, so you who were just at the altar, what just happened at the altar? We made, Jesus made community. You didn't, you aren't community because you came to the altar. You're community because you left the altar. You know, when you come... Although, bless you, you know, peace be with you and also with you. I forgive you, you forgive me. Thank you very much. And, of course, you have to be careful about this because you always are, of course, the Lord's community by way of baptism and by being gathered. But all of those things are things that Jesus did to you. So you're community because he gives you his body and sends you away. He gives you his body to make you his body. Because there's one bread, we who are many are one body. See this? We're many. We're different. We disagree on things. We have different ideas. We have different levels of energy. We have different amounts of money and different talents and different amounts of time. We're all different. And you come here and a single body, the body that hung on the cross is put into you and now you're the same body. So all you fragmented folk in Me Too, it's it's, it's the same as in Eden. Where Jesus, or where Jesus sort of pushed together the dust and the Holy Spirit breathed into him and the Father blessed him and Adam was alive. That's what happens at the altar. All those single bits of dust become a man. All you single individuals with all your personalities and all your wills and all your talents, you're put into one body. And it is, in fact, the body of Christ. Which means, then, you are not your own. You were bought with a price, glorifying God in your body. So you know, check not only your egos but your intelligence, and your will at the door as you enter. You are not your own. If there was a, if there was one thing that I could say is the best thing that ever happened at St. John, and I will say this about. Um, Particularly, I want to just, I restrict this to lay leaders because I think it is the most, I think it is the one thing that makes St. John work. When people come and say, and all the time people come and want to kind of figure out what's going on here, the single thing that makes St. John work, the single thing, is that from the beginning, from the first three elders I had, and from the earliest people on the governing board, and then the people who have sort of grown into those positions and now into broader things like REC and all that, The single thing that makes St. John work is that those people have let their talents be used by the gospel. So they have come as servant of the gospel rather than making the gospel servant to them. That is the single reason that St. John works. Because you have 30 or 40 or 50 leaders who always are asking, what's the face of Christ look like? What does Jesus want me to do right now? What would Jesus think is the best thing to do? They rarely, I'm, I'm always stunned when I go into meetings here. Uh, Josh and I were laughing. Uh, we kind of took a couple hours off to try to get oriented this week, Pastor Gating and I. And <clears throat> he recalled for me a meeting when he was a vicar, uh, where he said, can I go to this meeting? And I said, you can go, but you can't talk. <laughs> But here's the thing, and he sort of brought that up. We were laughing about that, but I said, I just want to remind you, in that meeting, I didn't talk for the first 90 minutes either. It was 90 minutes till I talked. And what was very, it was a real critical REC meeting where we made some very large decisions. The most fascinating thing about that, and he never talked, and that was kind of interesting, and I didn't talk for 90 minutes, but the most fascinating thing was to sit in the room with a bunch of very intelligent, driven people, who know exactly what they're doing and could do a particular thing in many different ways and have them all sort of be quiet and wait for the other one to talk because they're just trying to figure out if the guy next to them has a little more insight about what Christ might want, a little bit more than they do. That's what makes St. John work. Um, If you lose that, the whole game is over. If you get that, it is unlimited possibility. And that's part of what I'm saying with the reorientation of your time, your money, yourself, your will. You know, you don't get the you don't get the choice anymore of deciding. The choice is over, including for me. The choice is over about what we're going to do. We know what we're going to do. The choice is over whether you're going to participate. You're going to participate. Why is that? Because you're all one body. Now, if you don't believe that's true, go ahead and argue argue yourself out of it from scripture. I'm very willing to hear it. But I don't see it. In fact, what this says is If if you're in the body and not pulling in the same direction of the body, you're going to graze all kinds of havoc. You're going to cause all kinds of pain for yourself and for everybody else. That's where we're going. And it starts at the supper. He makes you the body by putting his body into you. And he means that very literally, not only from this but from the passages we're going to read. So you go get the body that hung on the cross and he makes you the body that hung on the cross. It's a fascinating, miraculous thing. It also has very concrete implications. Like, you are not your own. Okay? Which, as long as we're in 1 Corinthians, we might as well just spin back. Go left in your Bible to about four pages. Okay? Just just spin back left. Just go about four pages to 1 Corinthians 6. Okay? He's writing to people just like you. Corinth was a fascinatingly brilliant place. It was rich. Corinth, Corinth was New York City. Corinth was, the, the libraries were as nice as the brothels, and the brothels were as nice as the libraries, and they were next to each other. A um, lot of trade, very cosmopolitan. Anything you wanted, you could find in Corinth. If you were successful, you lived there. Okay? It was a big, big deal Greek place. Look at 1 Corinthians six twelve. All things are lawful for me, so any of you can say in the body, I, you know, I can do what I want. I'd do what I want. Anything, nobody's going to tell me what to do. It's all, it's all mine. It's all good. I'm squared up with Christ. You know, That's a nice first step. Nice first step. But what's the next line? All things are lawful for me, but what's next? Not all things are helpful, beneficial. Right? So sure, if you're a one-off, if you're a church of one, if you're it, sure, do whatever you want. You know what? If you're sitting in a room with 150 other people, or you've just been to the sacrament with 300 other people, wow, all things are lawful. Sure, you're free in Christ, free to do whatever you want. We've already talked about what we're free to do. We were free to go to Russia. We were free to move downtown. We were free to have half of you move somewhere else and start another church. Free, free, free. We can do whatever we want. Now we've chosen what we're going to do. So now, not everything's helpful. Okay? So now your search is, and this is the search of maturity, What's helpful? what's best, what's right, what's good. How can my own personality and talent be subsumed now not only to Christ and the gospel, that was first, but also the community. So it looks like this. Christ, community, and then you. Which looks strikingly like the Ten Commandments. God, your neighbor, and then you. Hmm. This is not what you signed on for, is it? Because somehow you thought that the church was all about actualizing yourself and Jesus was your life coach, and you were going to sell more, and do better, and live longer, and get richer, and, oh, I'm so sad for you if that's why you thought you came, because we're really no good at any of that. Man, you are tough today. Okay, so, uh, uh, yeah, all things are lawful, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful, but I won't be enslaved by anything. I'm not going to be automatically deciding. You know, and then he goes into, talks about food and sex. Food is meant for the stomach and the stomach for food. God will destroy one and the other. Hmm, well, I guess food's not the biggest deal. The body is not meant for immorality, but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. So I guess sex isn't the biggest deal. And God raised the Lord and will also raise us up by his power. Okay, boom, there's your little individualized bit. So are you free? You're free. What are you free to do? Live within the boundaries of Jesus Christ who saved you. You're free within there. Um, And there are some things that are just kind of outside like being legalistic about food or sleeping with somebody who's not your wife or your husband. Those things are just out, that's not what Christians do. But now things get ratcheted up to the next level, okay? Uh, do Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Boom. So now you're just not a speck of dust. You've been gathered into Adam. Now you're not just an individual personality. You stood at the altar one day and you said, I'm in. I'm struck by Ed gaining exordination. You know, he, the, you sort of look out at the congregation. You said, okay, you've heard it all and you've seen it all. And are you in? And I'm always thinking the congregation at that point might want to say, honestly, we're not sure or... Uh, no, to some of those things, no really is the answer. <clears throat> it's a little like the old Eifert story. You remember, do you know, remember the Eifert, there's a true Eifert story where he, when he was up in Canada, because as you know, all good stories happen in Canada. And uh, you remember that Eifert had a baptism once where the, there was a worker in the, in, the, in the sawmill who asked his boss to be the sponsor. And then they, the boss said, sure, because that was a way for the worker to suck up to the boss and the boss to still be a big deal around town. Um, as much of a big deal as you can be in a small town in Canada. So he comes to the point, and Eifert reads the part about, you know, will you bring him to church if anything happens, and get to the supper and put a Bible in his hands? And the guy says, no! <laughs> Which is really, that's really a way to slam the, slam the brakes on a baptism if the sponsor says no. And then later, the guy said, you know, Eifert said, you know, what's up? Yeah, that's kind of, that little damper on the service there. And the guy says to Eif, he says, uh, You know, he says, well, you know, everybody knows me. He says, everybody knows I drink too much and I swear and I've cheated on my wife. I'm not going to stand in church and lie. (laughs) You think to yourself, well, okay, one for four is not bad, you know. (laughs) Which is a little little like you, a little like, go back and read what we promised. I mean, next week we're going to have new members, you know, 20 or 25 or 30 people, I don't know, however many are coming. They're all going to stand up and we're going to say to them, you know, uh, you know, do you want to be here and you'll play nice and you're going to give us uh, a big chunk of your time and tithe 10% on the gross and do whatever your pastor says and put your kids in the school and not park in the handicapped space. <laughs> and that's what we're going to say. We're going to say that to people. And they're all just going to go, yeah, yeah, that's me. Okay, that's me. I'm, I'm right in on that. And then, you know, you're like, don't see him for six weeks. And you're like, "What? What did, what? Is everybody a liar, including me? Come on. And here it is. You're your own guy until you're in the church, and then you're not your own guy. Part of the reason uh, Josh, back when he was still Josh, went face down, uh, and that's not, a, that's not a common practice among Lutherans, but that's not a bad practice. To go face down is to say, well, that's the end of me as a person. Now something bigger happens. And uh, that's the point where you flee. Your choice is to go face down or to flee. It's a little like being married, you know. There is the point halfway through the marriage ceremony where the bride and groom are still standing here and you go down and you get them. I don't know if you know this, but before you pull them up to the altar, this is the way it's written in the book. They stand down here for the readings and the sermon. And then before, you come down to them and say, do you really want to do this? And that is the point where people can, should, could, may actually say, there has been some mistake. After all, you I really think... They should turn around and say, you know, go have fun. My parents will still pick up the bill, but I am out of here. I'm going to Hawaii alone. You know, that's what happens. You come down to them and say, are you in on this? Do you really want to be made one body? And if they say yes, then you take them to the altar where they're made one body. It's the same thing that happens with you. The thing is, we don't take seriously the notion that we are, in fact, one body. And if you just kind of keep reading here, and because part of that, that means you check out your, you, your own stuff, all becomes subsumed. It doesn't mean you're not an individual. It doesn't mean some people aren't smarter than others about teaching Sunday school or fourth grade or gym class or real estate or banking or how computers work. Of course they are. You know, there are all sorts of people. One of the greatest difficulties in the church is listen to people who are smarter than we are. You know, this is so important to listen to people who know more about things than we do. That's the glory of the church. You can say to somebody else, go see that guy about it. I don't know anything about that. You know, it's great stuff. But that means you're no longer in charge. It means that you, too, at some point, have been faced down. You know, dunking people in a font is not a bad way to go. You hold them under just long enough for them to wonder if you're really going to let them back up. (laughs) And they have a whole different attitude about what the church is like. They they understand that, you know, it's a matter of life and death. We say that all the time. But when your real concrete lives about how much time and how much money and how you're gonna talk and what you're gonna do when it comes down to that, whoa. So what I'm suggesting to you is, here's your chance. This is your chance, this is it, you know? This is it, tee it up, because mid-January, this is your chance. Get rest now. There are things to come, okay? So, um, and you get the immorality part about, you know, do you, do, go to 16, do you not know, uh, 17, he who's united to Christ becomes one spirit with him. So your own spirit doesn't get to run the show anymore. Shun immorality, flee immorality. Every other sin is outside the body, but the man sins against his own body. Now the, now the payoff, 19 and 20. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, which you have from God? You're not your own. You thought You came this morning thinking you were in charge. This is why we kneel at the supper. It's a little reminder that you're not in charge. You know why you kneel when the queen knights you. Her choice is, you know, she can touch you on both shoulders with a sword, or at her pleasure, she can lop your head off. Your hands are down, you kneel before her. That's the same, that's the same stance that an executioner uses. Right? Which is the same stance that you have when you come to the supper. You know, more please. You know, can I be part of the body once again? It's strikingly important that you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. You got that from God. You're not your own. You were bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body. So the real trick for all of you is to figure out how you're going to glorify God. Now, already, you know, it's 11 o'clock, and we're not going to come back for a few weeks, but you might continue to read in these passages. If you read in these passages, especially the ones farther down in this list, um, the First Corinthians 6 one, the Ephesians one, what you'll see is that Jesus begins to list different things that different people do. And you'll begin to recognize that there's no shame uh, if you're not good at everything. The trick in the church is that everybody finds their seat at the banquet. The trick in the church is that everybody uses the gifts that they've been given that nobody else has, that are specific to them, you know. For the good of the body, I mean. There's a reason we ask people to decorate for Christmas, for example, because those are people who just can see things that other people don't see. I mean, there's a we hear there's people have different eyes for things. As you go out today, I got an art lesson last week um, about Jesus in his manger. Have you seen the little cards? You tell me on the little cards that we're selling, which is the last one back there, Jesus in the manger, you tell me if Jesus is living or dying, you tell me. You tell me if that's Jesus' birth or if it's his death. Somebody had to tell me. But when you look at it, there are clues all over that, including, um, and these aren't from me, these are from Pam Conner who took the pictures, brilliant sort of observations like, Jesus has got big pipes in the picture. Bigger than yours, Tommy. Jesus got big pipes in that picture, which are not, that's not a baby's arm, that's a man's arm. Boom. He also is being covered with a blanket, but hey, he's already got a blanket. When do you cover people with a blanket when they've already got a blanket? When they're dying. And if you think that's just sort of folderol, Joseph's got flowers in his hands. What kind of flowers did you bring your wife when uh, your kids were born? <laughs> Great. A whole bunch of guys who went out for pizza and beer. That's great. <laughs> <clears throat> Joseph brought his wife flowers, apparently. Well, he brought lilies, which are not the uh, flower of life, but the flower of death. Yeah. Now, see, what you need is you need people in the congregation who can look at these glass windows like you've never looked at them before and say, don't you see that? The lamb is a complete reflection of the baby Jesus, and they would fold over on top of each other, and that means he's the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. That's just one. So I'm waiting for my next art lesson. There are people around who can do things like that. Guys who figure out what the interest rates should be. Guys who figure out what we should buy and sell. Guys who figure out you know, how to decorate for, for Christmas. Guys who figure out how the school should be able to run. We have the possibility to be an absolutely brilliant body of Christ, if we can all maximize our talents and minimize the things that we don't do well, and if we can do that all together, and if we can do that realizing that all we have comes into the service of the gospel, and we can realize that I don't have to be the expert on everything, and Pastor Ganey doesn't, and the governing board, if we realize that there's nobody who's an expert on everything, it's too big a place. If we can instead rejoice that there are all kinds of people with all kinds of talents who all can pull on the same end of the rope, um, Then you'll be able to do more than you could ever have imagined. And if not, then you're just going to be another place just getting by. And that that is geez. That's revelation lukewarm. I spit you out on the last day, you were neither hot nor cold. That is deadly stuff. So if you can hear this in a gospel way, you don't have a choice. If you're part of the body, you're part of the body. You know, if the body lives, you live, and if the body dies, you die. If you ache, the body aches. If the body aches, you ache. It really is a very literal interpretation of what it is like to live with other people in community. It's rich. It's difficult. And it is also the way that Jesus speaks. You can't escape it, nor can I. So lots to do. Okay, next week, just going forward. um, New members are received at this service at 1015 there's a reception form it's great if you can come at least just have a cup of coffee talk with each other talk with them um, you know I don't know they're gonna be 20 or 25 or 30 and there's we're probably gonna teach a double class coming into the next we have got so many people sort of stacked up we'll probably teach two classes of new members folks that's great pressure on you that's great burden on you as much as it is on us because we can't and have never really been able to handle the way we've grown we haven't always done a good job with that we need to do better There's nothing we can do about it. People want to be here. Okay, so you all need to get busy. So you know what? Get some rest. We need to reorient. I need to talk with elders and governing board folks, and we really need to get out ahead of this now. Um, It's going to be a big next couple of years. So next week, new members. Then we'll have a few weeks off. We do need a voters meeting sometime. We, by, by Constitution, we need two a year. They don't, we've kind of normally had them in late January and then in May. They don't have to be then, they might be closer. There's a lot of things moving around. We'll figure that out. Don't despair if you don't hear about it. If it moves to February, it'll still come. But something like you know, one or two weeks into January we'll come back depending on your schedules of where you're gonna be. You know, you're know, you all gonna be gone with kids through all the way through January 7th. And we kind of think about that. We don't want to start up, we don't have everybody here. All right, everybody okay? Try to, try to look, think about your own life. It's, this is about way more than money. This is about the biggest thing that St. John has ever done. It's about being the body of Christ. It's about serving Christ and not yourself. It's about doing not just what you can do, what you're free to do, but what's helpful. Okay? Thanks. Lord, remember us in your kingdom and teach us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven.